This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I mean, they got us in transition in different ways, turnovers. We missed a bunch of bunny layups that they converted um, at, at very uh, opportune times for them. Um, you know, they, 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 made a, they made a concerted effort to push at us. Um, you know, I just thought for the most part... Uh, you know, the game was lost for us in the first half. I thought we were really flat, you know, we, uh, in the first half. So, you know, that kind of just fell into an effort category where we just didn't really want to put the work in to get back. That was, uh, that was sad Chris Finch after the Wolves got beat at the buzzer the other night in New Orleans. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, our executive producer, Declan Goff, and our friend from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department and the Scoop podcast, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. It is here. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. Yes, and we've got all kinds of Vikings GM fodder and updates, and like we're going to be all over that today, like we are every day. But you know, we've some people in the audience the last week or two have been saying, "Where's all the wolf stuff? You guys aren't talking about the wolves lately." So we figured let's devote a chunk of time here to juicy Timberwolves trade fodder. You want reckless speculation? How about reckless trade speculation? Yes. Doogie, empty the bag. I know you had Windhorst on your podcast, and uh, that conversation's making the rounds, but Ben Simmons, John Collins, what are the Wolves up to behind the scenes when it comes to trade fodder? Well, certainly, Phil, Sachin Gupta is trying to upgrade the roster ahead of the February 10th trade deadline. He has planted many seeds. They can use shooting help. They can still use some interior help. Where Jared Vanderbilt, like that energy, that enthusiasm, that skill set, that can translate off the bench. And, oh, by the way, depending on situation, he can play crunch time minutes. But you could make a move for, say, a four-man Transition Jared to the bench. I know the starting five, the numbers are through the roof. It is. Now, I guess the comeback to that is, is that's still a relatively small sample size. But yes, there's no denying how successful D'Lo, Bev, Ant, Vandy, Cat have been. When those five are on the court, it's as good a fivesome as there has been in the league at the halfway point. We're at about the halfway point. Of the season. But yeah, Ben Simmons still on the Wolves' radar. Miles Turner, I'll give you a new name. Harrison Barnes, where Sachin Gupta has a good relationship with Monty McNair, who runs the Sacramento Kings. Remember, Sachin 
finished runner-up to McNair for that job in Sacramento. They've connected along the way, you know, going back to their Houston days. So that's another name. The Wolves have had their assistant general managers, John Luca, Branch, Zarco in their personnel department. Those guys have been out and about watching NBA games. They've been doing a lot of college scouting because as of now, they have four draft picks in June, three second-round picks, their own first-round pick. But they certainly have done a lot of trade scouting. I'll credit a Sacramento reporter who noted on Monday one of the Wolves' higher-ups was at the Kings-Cavs game. The Wolves are not playing the Kings in the next week or two. They're not playing the Cavs in the next week or two. That was not for scouting, hey, we're scouting our future opponent, you know, sake. That was for trade sake. Mm. So, yeah, so he's working it pretty good. He wants to improve the roster that they see an obvious pathway to the play-in tournament, but could they even ascend above that? Could they get as high as the sixth seed? Avoid the play-in tournament altogether. Remember the goal is to make the playoffs. If you get eliminated in the play-in tournament, you're thus then in the lottery, right? You're not a playoff team. If you're one and done or two and done, you know, and you're summarily dismissed after the play-in tournament, you're not a playoff team. The Wolves' stated goal going back to the Kumbaya trip in Miami in early September, the one that cost them six figures, it was all about we are a playoff team. So Sachin Gupta wants to aid in that goal. So he's trying, I can promise you that. Give me um, give me the, a name that you recklessly think is probably the most likely to land here. Well, I mean, I just think it's really hard to trade for Ben Simmons. I've been saying that yeah. since June. I even think Miles Turner is a really hard trade to execute. They have not reached out on Jeremy Grant of Detroit, to my knowledge, at least as of earlier this week. I can't say that I'm checking on a daily basis, but I did check on his name earlier in the week he is just now like on the verge of coming back from uh like a four or five week type injury but he'll be okay here before the deadline maybe it's still another couple weeks until he returns to game action but Jeremy Grant is a really good player the Wolves have Torian Prince's expiring contract at you know 13 14 million they have Jake Lehman's expiring contract I do think putting the 2022 first round pick on the table is something that Gupta is open-minded to because as of right now, that pick looks like it'll be like pick 13, 14, 15, 16. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be pick four, pick five. Yeah. And while I really love the top of, of this summer's draft, it gets muddled there in the middle, kind of like the last couple of years, or at least one of the last couple of years where the guy you get at 14 may not be all that different from the guy you get at pick 36, 37. And so this might be the time. I know Wolves fans don't like to hear giving up a first-round pick, but I can make a case that for the right guy, you give up your first-round pick in June. But, yeah, I mean, Harrison Barnes (laughs) certainly is a name to keep an eye on. Jeremy Grant as well. I know John Collins' name has sort of been floated out there. We know from, you know, previous trade deadlines and, you know, summertime acquisitions at the Wolves, you know, like him, that there are fans over at Mayo Clinic Square of of John Collins. He signed the new contract, but Atlanta has been a dumpster fire. So I would certainly keep an eye on Atlanta. I'm not quite sure the Wolves and Hawks are a good match until I hear that the Hawks have interest in Malik Beasley, like right now. Yeah, I just I don't know if I see 
any sort of match. And you'd have to go Beasley plus a lot more. I'm just saying maybe you would start with Beasley, go from there. But Atlanta is definitely a team to keep an eye on. Indiana is certainly a team to keep an eye on. Portland as well. You know, Wendy threw out Nurkic expiring contract. Covington, Robert Covington, former Wolf expiring contract. That Portland is above the luxury tax right now. They need to do something. So they are going to do something. So what about the idea? Damian Lillard, it looks like he'll be out for a little bit of time. It might be time for Portland to say, you know what? We just don't have it this year. Let's start making some moves. So I would certainly keep an eye on Portland as well. Robert Covington still has fans here in the Twin Cities. So I suppose that would be another name to keep an eye on. There's so many sort of moving parts here, too, in that, like Ben Simmons, for instance, it kind of feels like the only way to acquire Ben Simmons is to give up one year big three, right? And I know that Wendy told you that you guys are both sort of hearing that the Wolves have thrown every type of offer, not including Cat or Ant. And we know that at some point they had some discussions around D'Lo, but D'Lo's been such a great cog for this team on offense, defense. He's He's been a leader. He's um, been great. But, Phil, let me stop you there. I've yet to hear that Philadelphia wants D'Lo. As brilliant as he has been for the Wolves, I don't think Philadelphia wants D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. But even on the flip side, like if you're the Timberwolves, I think six months ago, I would have traded D'Lo for Ben Simmons. But watching the way that this thing is played out now and the chemistry and the first unit. And then there's then there's another added layer of, okay, the Timberwolves are tracking to be a play-in team, kind of a 500-ish team. but and And that's fine right now because our bar is so low. It's been 17 years, one playoff appearance. So, like... If they if they finish five hundred and they and they're in the play in like that's a wild success this year, but next year the year after, okay, as you climb up the ladder, where's the glass ceiling for this current unit? Some of it depends on if Ant takes more steps forward, right? So you're trying to project what does this year's team need, but then if eventually you want to set your sights higher, would you have to trade D'Lo or Cat to get to another level, right? And and I, I would assume that all of these discussions are happening. Who can you trade for this year, maybe next year, that'll help you? And then long-term, who are you building around for like the next five to six years? It is a challenge, undoubtedly. Those are questions that the front office contemplates all the time. It's threading the needle of the present versus the future. Now, Anthony Edwards is 20 years old, right? And like he's been making threes at a really good clip. I still think shot selection needs work. Jim Peterson has made the point. Needs to work on cutting a bit more. There's a lot more to Anthony Edwards' game. But remember pre-draft, the Bradley Beal comparison? Are we starting to see signs that maybe he can be that good? Like, I certainly see Anthony Edwards being an Mm all-star before his rookie deal is up. Like, if you're this good as a 20-year-old, how good is he at 22, 23? So, like, we had the discussion right after they took Anthony Edwards. Like, what's his floor? What's his ceiling? Ceiling Bradley Beal. Maybe he doesn't quite get there. I'm now it's thinking higher. he can get there. Maybe even goes higher. higher. Yeah. yeah. And so it's that it's that delicate balancing act. But that's where you have these expiring contracts to play with. Wendy also told me, I have not heard this myself, but that Josh Kogi has some trade appeal. And certainly the Wolves would be, very, very open to moving Josh Okogie. Yeah. 
Interesting. Um, Dukes, t- tell us about what the decision to hire Marquise Watts as chief experience officer is about and means. Um, Cause it's, I, I have seen a lot of titles in my days covering sports. Chief experience officer is a new one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's trying to create a better environment that it's always going to be hard to attract players here to the twin cities for obvious reasons. But they, they being Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez, the background work they have been doing going back to the summer, they just, they've heard some things, including from some former players, that player relations needs work here. Love it. So Marquise Watts, really good guy, Twin Cities roots. He has a daughter here, but he's been based in LA, but he'll move back here now. Once upon a time was the leader of an AAU program in the Twin Cities, net gain. Rashad Vaughn used to be in that program. Trent Lockett went to Hopkins High School, went on to have a great career at Arizona State, and he's made a bunch of money overseas. So, like, Marquise Watts has had his fingerprints on the youth basketball scene here in the Twin Cities for a really long time. Transitions to Adidas, then works for Rich Paul, Clutch Sports. So he has a really good relationship with Anthony Edwards. Other Clutch Sports clients, Ben Simmons, Anthony Davis. So he's cultivated a lot of NBA relationships. So he'll bring all that experience now to to the Wolves. Glenn Taylor was involved in this process. So while Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez to some extent, but certainly Mark and Ethan Casson drove the bus, Glenn Taylor is still involved. Glenn and Marquise met, and I sense that that meeting pushed this across the finish line. But this is a good move. I know it doesn't like grab headlines, but I'm just telling you behind the scenes, if you're a Wolves fan, you should be very excited by this hire. I need to be a fly on the wall for when those guys explain chief experience officer to Glenn Taylor over some potato salad and and, uh, and, Becky's, and Becky's cheeseburgers. Becky. Well, don't forget Becky's lasagna. Yeah. Becky's lasagna, Becky's baby. Lasagna. Well, and this is this is the type of thing I think a lot of people are going to initially roll their eyes at, like a, a chief experience officer. Okay, you know that's that's what's going to fix the wolves, right? Like that's going to be, I think, you know, one of the overriding thoughts. But if you start to dig deeper, I love the fact that Mark Laurie and, and Alex Rodriguez to a certain extent. This feels very Mark Laurie driven, where he's all about solving problems, right? What is Let's simplify everything. What's the problem? How do we solve it? How do we get people in here that can solve the problems? And clearly, like in their six months of digging and discussions, there's some issues behind the scenes with player relations and you know, how do you how do you make this how do you maximize the success of players and then make this a place that people want to stay and work at and maybe even sign with? And listen, it's kind of hokey, chief experience officer. It's a weird title, but I love the thought process here. I love the thought process as well. Plus, there are other organizations, Dallas comes to mind, where they've made comparable moves. So, like, it can't hurt, right? Yeah, he's going to be making pretty good money. But, like, if you're a Wolves fan, like, I don't care if if you think it's, you know, a bunch of hogwash, fine. But, like, it can only really help. Like, I don't see how a move like this hurts in any way. Yeah. So if it helps build up that relationship even more with Anthony Edwards, and Anthony Edwards isn't turning down a max extension in a couple of years, he'll take that money. But when thinking many years down the road, Anthony Edwards, his decision whether to then sign another contract here 
like there's some forward thinking going on that that you need to maintain a, a high level of you know relationship status with with ants specifically but with others but that marquise is going to be in charge of that and i think the thing too is un- unlike the vikings who, who can hit the reset button here fairly quickly the wolves are you know the lions the browns so there's i there's a lot of work and and it, it's going to be small stuff but there's a lot of work to be done here to change a perception that's terrible um which is why you know fans aren't going to like this but a building is part of that too like there, there's going to be oh, i think this, fans will like that well, the process may not be the likeable. taxpayers won't, but the yeah. but the point but the point is changing the perception of this franchise around the league is going to take a lot of work. It's not just uh, hey, it, it's the new wolves. Ants great, cat can be great. I get all that, but just the the franchise as known as Glenn's team, right? That's going to take you're you're going to have to change a lot of people's opinions to get this thing back to to where oh yeah the wolves are a good franchise so it's going to be a step by step thing that will probably take a few years I think well yeah certainly I mean there's always going to be some level of skepticism as long as Glenn yeah. is in charge so frankly the real shift will come you know assuming they can get all their finances in order there's no reason to think they won't so. December of 2023. So 23 months from now, when Mark and Alex become majority owners, that's when we'll see that seismic shift. By the way, the Atlanta Hawks were six games below 500, and that's we talked about John Collins a few minutes ago. Their fire sale has begun. Just now, Adrian Wojnarowski reporting. Reckless speculation. Cam Reddish, he's one of their rotational forwards, plays you know, 10, 11 points a game, whatever, uh, traded to the Knicks for a protected 2022 first-round pick. And uh, there's also a couple other pieces involved here. But it looks like the Hawks are ready to shake shake things up. So maybe, I don't know, but could you get John Collins without trading one of your three best players? Could you well, get John Collins for draft picks? And... Yeah, well, I mean, you'd have to send out good money. So right. whether that's Beasley or, okay, Beasley. I mean, you can make it work. Beasley, Prince, Lehman, then multiple first-round picks, and/or Jada McDaniel's. Like, you're not getting John Collins for expiring contracts, Malik Beasley, and one then real asset, whether that's Jada McDaniel's or a future first-round pick. It would take multiple good assets yeah. to pry him out of there. You got to find. Uh, you got to find like twenty-five million dollars. So, and, and the Wolves have a bunch of those little like twelve, kind of fifteen. They got a handful of them. I don't want to trade Beverly, though. So it would have to be Prince or Beasley and, like, a pick or something. I don't so. see Bev going anywhere, Phil. I no. really don't. No, he's the heart. Like, I see him here for the next couple of years. I know he's an unrestricted free agent after the year. Him, his side, they've been pushing for a contract extension based on the rules. The Wolves could actually sign him today to a contract extension if they wanted to. So it's more the Wolves just trying to figure out, okay, what makes logical sense. There are some injury red flags there. You know, so like how much money are you going to give him? There's not many teams with cap space this summer. So he's looking at, you know, the taxpayer mid-level. You know, so if you're the Wolves, you know, like to me, eight, nine million a year, eight-ish million a year. But the question is that how much money are you guaranteeing two seasons out? Like you're guaranteeing the full amount next season. But then when looking at the 23-24 season, when he's that much older, already in his, what, early 30s, 32, 33, 
how much money do you want to be guaranteeing Bev at 34, 35 years old? I think you would have to make that second year a partial guarantee. Reckless speculation. Vikings GM search, Dukes. Um, so in the past, what, two days, day plus now, eight names externally have come out as people that the Vikings want to talk to. I think a primary headline from that, though, is one of those eight names is not Will McClay of the Cowboys, who we've talked about uh, quite a bit, very respected around the league, had a chance to go to Houston, I think it was last year, turned that down. What can you tell us about Will McClay's absence from that list? John, I can tell you here on Thursday morning from multiple sources, very much in the mix, that Will McClay is staying in Dallas. Now, my sense is it never got to the point of the Vikings making the request or at least behind the scenes attempting to make a request, but the Vikings are well aware of Will's intentions. I do believe strongly, Judd, that his name came up internally at TCO Performance Center, that when they were concocting you know, their lengthy list, now have whittled it down to eight, that Will McClay was on some sort of initial list. But, yeah, my sense is he will not be the the new Vikings general manager. So, guys, I know publicly facing, the Vikings are painting this as, and the way that they're going about the process, let's request GM interviews first, get those names out publicly through the league. We're going to hire a GM first, and then we're going to turn our attention to coaching. It feels like, just based on some of the rumblings, and you guys tell me because you've been doing more digging on this, that they've been doing some due diligence on coaches. They're not starting from zero on coaches. They're not. Absolutely they're not, not. Right. That's where the Doug Peterson name has come up, Phil. I know you're right. It down is Doug Peterson as as the next head coach. Heck, I'll give you a write it down. I'll say Brandon Brown from the Philadelphia Eagles front office is is the new Vikings general manager. Now, interviews won't even Judd. Maybe you've heard otherwise, but. I hear interviews, this initial wave of interviews, Zoom interviews, by the way, you know, they'll eventually bring a candidate or two to town. But initially, early next week is when the Zoom interviews Mm -hmm. will start to take place. So I don't even think there's going to be one interview today. Maybe one happens tomorrow, but I was told things will ramp up on the interview front early next week. So, like, I'm going all in there with at least a a write-it-down prediction before interviews even take place, but there certainly is a good amount of Brandon Brown steam. So Let's, uh, they certainly have done their due diligence on down. him going back weeks. That's binding. We're going to put that in there, right, Dex? I got it. Dex got it. Already Doogie, you're going to be down. you're going to be representing the listeners here. Already that's in. The, okay, that's your bin. Yeah. Sure. Now, are, they mo- are they moving too slow here? No, they're not because this job has has a lot of appeal. In fact, okay. I'll tell you, Phil, that I've texted with three logical candidates. Not all three are on the eight person list okay but three logical candidates all three told me that this job above the bears above the giants is the most appealing that of the three gm openings this is the one they would want the most i don't think it's that close i i really don't i i think when you look at stability um i I know that the bears potentially have a qb i would argue the giants do not but i think when you look at all of the attributes that go along including an ownership group that you know is very patient. Uh, this is a really good job. I also, I'll also go back to defending the Vikings here somewhat based on this. If they said, we got our list of eight and we are going to have a decision by next Tuesday, we'd all say, hold on a second here. Like this is an incredibly important job and you're going to have a decision by Tuesday. 
So, so I think it's better not to rush it than to satisfy the public's thirst, right? For, you know, give, give me a guy or gal, hire somebody. Um, I would far rather see this play out in a methodical way. And, And I don't even know that the committee that the Vikings are going to use is the right idea. So I'm not like applauding, oh, the committee's going to be great. But well, I'm just, but I like but I'm the committee the idea timing. more than a search firm. I, I hate the idea of a I search do, firm. I so do, too. I'm I, glad they're not using a search firm. I do, too, Dukes. The only thing I don't know is I don't know if I love who's on it. Um, well, okay, so we know we talked about this on Andrew Tuesday. Miller. Andrew Miller, Rob Brzezinski for sure on the committee. Brzezinski's a very smart guy. I mm-hmm. like him. Miller is a baseball guy, and I've heard very mixed things about him behind the scenes, and I don't know if I love that, that one. Um, the, the Wilfs are obviously going to be there. I, I think what confuses me, though, is is both of the uh, co-directors, I believe their titles are player personnel, Jamal Stevenson, Ryan Munnins, are going to be involved in this process, but like one of them, Jamal might be a candidate still. We're not quite sure. I'm just saying I'm not applauding that the committee is the perfect way to do it, but I do think if they rushed the hire, I'd be far more concerned than actually vetting the process doing your due diligence and trying to make sure that you have a person in place who's going to be your person for an extended period, as opposed to two years from now saying, oh my God, we screwed that up. Yeah, I think that's all fair, Judd. By the way, those two names, Jamal Stevenson, Ryan Munnin. So we have this list of eight external candidates. I expect at least one of those to, to get an interview. Now, maybe it's a token interview. I would not bet on either getting the job. But I think in the end, the amount of people they end up granting interviews to will be greater than eight. So is it nine? Is it 10? But don't forget mm-hmm. about a potential internal candidate or two. Yeah. And we'll do uh, later on in this episode of Mackie and Joe, we will do a deeper dive into the eight candidates that we know of, the eight external candidates. But Dukes, give us, a, before we say goodbye here on this Reckless Speculation Thursday, what else you got? What's in the scoops bag? Well, let me add on Jamal Stevenson that he really likes it here. That okay, let's say they end up hiring Brandon Brown or you name the other candidate that that will be interviewed. I think Jamal Stevenson ends up staying here. That's that's what I've been hearing. That that I think Jamal Stevenson remains in in the Vikings front office. What else did I write down, Phil? Eric Curry. So he goes down with an ankle injury last night. I checked this morning with a Gopher source. Eric will get a checkup later today. There was some level of hope, optimism as they left the the Breslin Center locker room last night, that this is not a serious injury, but we'll know more later today. Thankfully, it's not his knee, it's his ankle. But, heck, even with a severe sprain, he could miss a decent amount of time. But there is some hope, some optimism, that there isn't structural damage, there's not ligament damage. Speaking of that, Jalen Noel, doubtful for tonight's game. The Wolves playing the red-hot Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis on a 10-game winning streak. Remember way back when, when the Wolves beat the Grizzlies by 40-something points? Like, that's one of the great victories of this NBA season because Memphis, all of a sudden, is like a legit top-four team in the Western Conference. The Grizzlies are so good. And the Wolves, what, a month, month and a half ago at Target Center, kicked their ass. And they had, if I recall, almost their full complement of guys. Maybe not their full roster, but... It was darn near their full roster. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but Memphis had a bunch of their guys for that game, and the Wolves just dominated them. But Jalen Noel, no ligament damage, no structural damage. 
doubtful for tonight. May not play Sunday against the Golden State Warriors when Steph Curry, Clay Thompson come to the Twin Cities, but this is not a long-term injury. Jalen Noel should be back pretty quick. May even be back as soon as heck. If he feels good today, maybe he plays tonight. If not tonight, could play as soon as Sunday. If he doesn't play Sunday, he'll play next week. The Iowa Hawkeyes come to Williams Arena to play the Gophers on Sunday. Keegan Murray is a legit NBA prospect. There will be a number of NBA scouts in the building on Sunday, including the Wolves. The Wolves will have representation Sunday at Williams Arena. We are the home of St. Thomas Athletics, St. Thomas men's basketball, dealing with a little bit of a COVID issue right now. So tonight's game, Saturday's game, North Dakota State, North Dakota, these road games have been postponed. Awesome. Thanks for breaking that news. You and Patrick Royce, breaking breaking the news. Anything else you guys need to know? Reckless (laughs) speculation. Love it, man. All right, that's inside information about your favorite Minnesota Whoa. sports teams, The Scoop with Doogie. You can find that podcast, and you can find Dukes as part of the 5 Eyewitness News sports team. Thanks, Doogie. All right, boys, take it easy. Touch, See ya. Right, right, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, you know that. Yeah, for sure. Reckless <laughs> speculation. All right, awesome stuff. So, all right, let's, um, let's dive into the list, the general manager candidate list. Mm-hmm. We have, based on... Multiple different reports and piecing together. And Doogie is saying that this is the list of eight external candidates for the Vikings general manager position. And interviews are going to ramp up next week. So, and by the way, you can read more about these. Judd has all of these candidates listed with bio information on scorenorth.com. But I'd love to just go through this list, throw these names out. You alphabetize these too. Look at you. You alphabetize these. On scorenorth.com. Oh, this ain't my first listicle. <laughs> I've done this before. That's great. Um, so in alphabetical order, I'll, I'll throw the name out, and, and Judd, you you know, provide some background here, and then we can kind of kick these around. Again, it's, these GM candidates are much less household names than the coaching candidates that you're going to hear about at some point, too. Absolutely. Quezzi uh, Adolfo Mensa, who has served as the Browns vice president of football operations since May of 2020. He's first alphabetically on this list. Yes, he is the he he would be the first outside the box person, um, not, not because he lacked experience. He worked for the Niners and then he's been a high ranking official with the Browns. Um, but, but he's a guy who played basketball at Princeton, incredibly smart and would come from what I would say would be the more baseballian analytics world, uh, than the football world. He is a rising star. I believe he's about 32, 33. So he's young. Uh, but his, his resume speaks to a very outside the norm of you know he's not he's not the football scouting lifer who played linebacker at Michigan State and now he's moved up through the ranks he he's a guy who started uh, I believe on Wall Street um he he's a guy who then transitioned uh he got a in 2013 he got a a master's in economics from Stanford and around the same time, got a job with the Niners and went to work there. So this would definitely, I, I would not discount him for one second, but this would definitely be considered an outside-the-box football hire. Yes. Um, I love the analytics background, but I wouldn't hire a general manager solely because he's well-versed in analytics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where, you know, we can 
talk more about this too throughout these names being thrown up, but you know, what attributes do you really want? And I definitely need someone who is a leader and someone who can help set culture. I think the coach is going to be really key in that. And the quarterback should be key in that, whoever that winds up being long-term as well. But I kind of agree with what Patrick Royce told us on Rap with Royce that above all else, whether it's through an analytics prism or whether it's through a scouting background, you really have to know what you're looking at, identifying players. Like you can't, and, and the, sure. there's a couple names on this list that I'm willing to poke holes in for that very reason, but you you can't look at Jalen Rieger and Justin Jefferson side-by-side side in the first round of a draft and say, Jalen Rieger's the guy. Right. You know, and that and that brings us to the second name on this list, who Doogie is predicting will be the next general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, Brandon Brown, Philadelphia Eagles. He was promoted to director of player personnel by the Eagles last offseason. Um he served as Philadelphia's director of pro scouting for two seasons, 2019-20, after originally joining the organization as the assistant director of pro scouting for the for the two years before that. He also spent a couple of years with the Colts. Mm-hmm. I don't know how involved he would have been in a decision like Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Right. But that's the, t- that's the type of weird thing where you look at that and you're like, well, now that that's played out over two years, yeah. what didn't you see in Justin Jefferson, right? Absolutely. And and in doing some background on what took place there, because the question is not like, well, let's just blame the entire franchise. The question is, who who is to blame here? Like, who made the, this call? And, te- um, and teams make mistakes. So it's, you oh, can't, they yeah. do, but I'd like to know who. But there's mistakes, and then there's royal screw-ups in, in positions. So it's not like they took the best cornerback, and he sort of busted and they didn't take Jefferson. Like, these were side-by-side comps, two guys right in basically the same draft place, and they royally screwed up. Um, What I have found in going through and trying to find out, like, who who made the call was the scouting department, which I think falls into where Brown was, the scouting department wanted Jefferson. The the schematic fit from the coaching staff, which would involve Doug Peterson, was – that Jefferson had played the slot in college. Now, he played the slot in college like like Cat was forced to shoot from outside at Kentucky. It made him better. It yeah. wasn't like, uh, oh, you stink at the outside. But anyway, it sounds like the coaching staff liked what they saw from Rieger more because of the schematic fit. That is still a huge screw-up. But I think Brandon Brown was among the scouting staff that correctly identified Jefferson as the better player. Brown to me, if if you look through the bio that I typed up, Phil, Brown to me looks like an interesting um cross between football-y football guy and and what we were talking about with a guy that has a background that goes beyond that because he's got he's got a a, a de- he's got a like degree in a con here, a dual concentration in entrepreneurship entrepreneurship and communications, and then a Juris Doctor degree. So, like, we're talking about a highly educated, smart dude who probably can apply a lot of things as well. So this might be an interesting cross between a guy that knows the statistical slash analytics world and also a guy that knows what he's looking at on a football field. Yep. 
And again, I don't want to boil something down to like, well, he was part of an organization that whiffed on right. uh, Justin Jefferson because teams, you can find whiffs. I mean, Bill yeah. Belichick whiffs in the draft all the time. It's it's hard. The draft is very coin flippy. Yeah, but, and, but the thing about this where I agree with you is these were side-by-side guys like at the same place. Like this is a royal screw-up. This is like, not a positional screw-up of, oh, you took the wrong corner who we all thought was going to be good yeah like whoever it was behind the scenes with the twins that decided no siyoshi nishioka right. is the franchise shortstop here going forward amen like that guy probably not going to promote him to a, a higher role i don't know the twins kind of covered that one up i don't think anyone raised their hand and and uh well, they saw him took accountability they saw him on beta tapes yeah. vhs YouTube. tapes here's a 10 minute youtube highlight clip the, uh, the, german, the german youtube that's rick's greatest <laughs> moment Moritz Boringer. All right, uh, the third name on this list, Glenn Cook, who has spent the last six seasons with the Cleveland Browns as an assistant director of pro scouting uh, and vice president of player personnel more recently over the last couple years. He was with the Colts as a scouting assistant for a couple years. And uh, he also, interestingly enough, was taken by the Chicago Cubs in the 46th round of the 2009 Major League Baseball draft and played in 34 rookie league games. Tom Pellicero reporting Glenn Cook. So, again, Cleveland yeah. Browns, they've built a pretty damn good roster. They, they kind of look like they're a quarterback away. Um, it's been a train wreck franchise for 20 years, but the current regime has done a good job in roster building. So, Glenn Cook. I'm just going to say one thing about Glenn Cook that comes to mind. Football. Just a football guy. Like I, I don't have much football. to say about. Like he, like he just, his background reads like a guy that eats footballs. He's a linebacker at Miami. Yeah, two sport athlete. He just right? wakes up, and he goes down and he makes eggs, bacon, and footballs for and more bacon and more football. Yeah, yeah. he just strikes me as a football guy. Yeah. I got nothing to add about Glenn Cook. Yeah. I'm sorry. Might be a great guy. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's a great guy. What about Monty Ossenfort? This is reported by Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune. So he is the Titans director of player personnel and was a finalist for the Carolina Panthers GM job last hiring cycle. Mm -hmm. Spent 14 years also working for the Patriots before joining the Titans in 2020. I believe that... uh... In Ben Gessling's report about this, he also said that Ozenfort was a some type of um, training camp intern with the Vikings in 2001. Mm-hmm. So here's my oh, so here's my theory about about a portion of it, this list, which is Doogie has told us is going to be interviewed on Zoom. My theory is that in some of these cases, this committee of people that's going to vet the process is there to pick brains of people who are coming from successful teams. So, so like the Titans have been really a nice, I don't know if, if surprise is the right term. They've been a good, solid team mm-hmm. franchise, right? So I guess my question is, are you really interested in a guy like this? Or, or is this about, well, yeah, it's worth talking to him. Who knows? He could knock their socks off. But if nothing else, you basically have to ask him, what do you guys do? Like what, what has helped you? What yeah. has helped your team? And, and I think if a person wants the job, they're almost required to to tell you some things, right? Yeah. Like it's not like, well, I can't talk about those things. Yeah. So, so I do think that there's going to be a certain portion of this list of people that probably don't have a great chance, 
but the team is very smart to try and and if they can steal ideas and then apply those i I think that's a very common thing yeah because they haven't had that fresh thinking and they've they've brought obviously they've hired different people in the front office that, that have come from other organizations or scouts or what have you but at the top level of the front office and even you know Mike Zimmer was the coach for eight years Rick Spielman GM for you know over a decade and then you know also running the draft for like it's been 15 years of Rick and Rob Brzezinski mm-hmm. and then it's been and George Payton like they just haven't had an influx of new thought so I, I love that angle of at the very least getting nine or ten interesting tidbits from other teams of the way that they go about their process maybe there's a Maybe there's a thing here that you never knew that you could apply, whoever your GM winds up being. Yes. Ryan Poles is next on the list here from the Kansas City Chiefs. He's been the Chiefs Executive Director of Player Personnel and was a finalist also for the Panthers GM job last year. He's 36 years old, and he's been in the Chiefs Personnel Department for 13 years, starting off as a scouting assistant. So this would be essentially his second team. He's been, with, he's been a Chiefs lifer yeah. over the last decade plus. Yeah, and so the, so it, it appears to me that the Vikings 1,000% got the list of of finalists from the Panthers last year and are basically going down that list. Uh, the polls thing, again, I think he's a, a hot commodity, so I wouldn't dismiss his chances. But I think, again, you're talking to a guy who, who has seen in, in some ways the secret sauce, right? Like the Chiefs have been successful, and – and what the Vikings would be smart to do with a guy like Poles and what you need to, to find out, because I'm going to go back to the to the importance of this quarterback. Like, how did you identify this? What's a risk? It was a risky it's draft. A huge, set, move up 17 spots. Right. Exactly right. And and like that was and, and that draft pick, we didn't all say, oh, my God, they just oh, oh, they stole Mahomes. How did they do this? Right. We all said there's some good QBs in this draft. This might be a great move. You don't know. Um, but if you can find a person who's like, here's what we did. Here's what I know. And you're like, okay, I think you're, you're talking. Because we can discuss about roster construction, and that's important. And, and getting the right coach, that's incredibly important. Um, but what we can't have, I don't think personally, is 16 more years of, but the one thing I really couldn't do was find the quarterback. And I'm not talking about Kirk. I'm not talking about going out and getting a short-term guy or signing a guy to a big contract. I'm flat out talking about that five-year team-controlled guy who is yep. your guy, who, who for five years, you basically can build a roster around him, and he turns into a fantastic player. I mean, that, that to me is such a huge ingredient for a championship. And think about everything that went into the drafting and then the development of Pat Mahomes. They moved up. They, are, they already were a playoff team, and they already had a rock-solid quarterback in Alex Smith, who I believe may have actually led the league in passer rating like one of his last couple of years as mm-hmm. chief starting quarterback. So, you know, and, and, you know, was he the biggest touchdown pass guy? No, like he was always a little bit more conservative. But they decided, all right, we're in the playoffs. We've got a good quarterback. It's not good enough. We're going to move up 17 spots in the first round for a guy that has some mechanical issues and who's wildly talented, but we're not sure because we see something in him. 
What did they see in Pat Mahomes that other teams didn't at the time of the draft, personality-wise, yeah. leadership-wise, everything? Yes. I think everyone saw the tools, like running, you know, he had Brett Favre comparisons in college. But we didn't know. And then what went into essentially maximizing his skill set so that he could perform at this MVP level? Because I think if he gets drafted by some other organizations, you know, I, th- I think he's enough of a of a shark and a bulldog and a, and a leader that he would have figured it out to some extent. But, like, what all went into that whole process, right? Yes. yes. And as I, I recall around the time that they took – Mahomes or right before that, Phil, we did segments in which you basically brought to the table, and it, it's exactly right, that at that time, the Chiefs were the AFC Vikings. Mm-hmm. So, like, they just had bigger, it was the same groups. stuff. Right, right. But, I mean, I would love to know, but they, they didn't just have him, have them, they hit on that pick. And, like, there's a lot of, so, so I don't know if, they're going to pick this guy's brain or if they think, hey, polls might know this. But it's just so imperative that the next hire at least has a fighting chance, which I don't think Rick did, to identify this type of player. Mm-hmm. All right, we have three more names on this list here. Eight general manager candidates that the Vikings will be interviewing, likely starting early next week. And the next one is an historic one. Catherine Raish, who is the vice president of football operations for the Philadelphia Eagles, since last May, and she will be the first ever woman to interview for an NFL general manager job. Now, in 1983, there was a woman who became a general manager, and I don't know the backstory there, but this is fairly unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about this one. I I didn't know until I saw the report, I think Schefter broke the story last night, that she was actually going to talk to the Vikings, that she is believed to be the most senior-ranking team personnel position that that um, has been held in the National Football League by a female. This is one I'm curious about. Um, is this for show? Is this real? Uh, um, is this credible as far as, not her, but as far as e- interest? She worked for two teams, uh, Montreal and Toronto, in the Canadian Football League. She's got a law degree, so obviously super smart. 33 she's young yep but this is one where i would like to know is that like are the vikings doing the right thing here or are the vikings doing something that is just like hey we talked to uh, her and it look it's probably good experience uh but it caught me by surprise and i don't know what the answer to my question is i don't know what the i would say i would say two things number one i love this because i think i think women should get opportunities to interview for jobs that they are qualified for in the NFL. And, and I think whether she is the most qualified in terms of experience among all these candidates is less relevant. If, if you feel strongly about her and if you feel like she adds value to a front office and has a chance to be a GM someday, give her a chance to interview and normalize that process for future women. I'm all for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would be, careful hiring a 33 year old and that applies to a couple others on this list too to run an nfl organization because i i just think and listen i'm all for youth movement and um i'm all for i'm all for innovation Mm -hmm. but i just think there's a certain level of life and professional experience you need that probably doesn't come along when you're 32 or 33 years old enough 
to run. I mean, it is a big job. So whether it's, I would say whether it's like, Quezia Adolfo Mensa or whether it's Catherine Raish, yes. Um, even who was yet? There was a 36 year old on here too. Uh, Ryan Poles. Uh, I would just be careful hiring someone that doesn't have enough life and professional experience leading people. You know, just be careful. There, there is though. I, I think that you're right. There is no difference between her and Adolfo Mensa. I, I think it's the same thing because and and look. The thing, too, that, and this is exceptionally true now in baseball, the thing, too, that's becoming commonplace is you don't have to have ridden the buses and played the game. You didn't play the game. Yeah. Um, can that help? Absolutely it can. But, like, we are we are crossing in, into a territory, n- no matter what your sex is, where you have the ability now to get jobs. And it's not like, yeah, but you didn't play – um, you didn't play safety at Virginia. Yeah. So, so Who like cares? there's a whole different world here. And, and I'm sure that old time sports fans or some of them, I should say, not all, that's not fair. Some old time sports fans are going to hate, but like we are definitely going towards a different era here in sports. And, and the thing that's going to change too is skill set. So, so like, cause it used to be, can you identify talent and can you, and that's all still important. But now it's also, can you delegate? Can you communicate? Because as sports fans, I think we have um, we have a thought process of what the GM job is, right? Like the GM job is this. That's not necessarily going to be true now or especially in five years. Mm-hmm. It, it, it might be, I'm the GM, but I'm delegating what, what Rick Spielman used to do. So, I, so I'm with you on age, but... Uh, but I, I will say, I think we're going to see more and more candidates for th- these jobs, men and women, where it doesn't matter as far as like what, they, what they've done previously in that sport, as long as they work in the sport and, and they have the ability to lead and to actually have a skill set that translates. Yep. I love that she's getting an interview. We'll see what happens. Uh, two more names on this list. John Spytek. I'm going to let Declan take a bow here. This is incredible. <laughs> the, the name is Spytek. John Spytek. Breaking. Declan, you hit this name. Mm-hmm. On Monday, I, I said, look out for this Take guy. a bow. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. I, 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 Dude, take your victory he, lap. He's, he's this great Bond villain that the Vikings are interviewing here, okay? I, 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 does he have this poisonous flower that, that is going to now cleanse the rest of the Vikings? <laughs> if you've seen the latest Bond, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, no, I, I think John Spitek deserves a chance. And, and as we talked about on statements, that I mean, he's helped build that Buccaneers roster, and they plugged in Tom Brady, and now they could potentially win their second straight Super Bowl. Um, this guy is definitely really re- well respected around the league. I believe Jenna Lane said the same thing. Who covers the Bucks for Tampa Bay? A lot of every other, a lot of other NFL insiders have said same things. This guy's definitely worth an interview. I mean, the Bears could still swoop him up, but I'm glad the Vikings are getting a jump start on him and potentially interviewing him. Yep. So his background is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, he was promoted to vice president of player personnel last May after being the director of player personnel for the Buccaneers. Sixth season with the Bucks and 18th in the NFL. He's actually a native of Pewaukee, Wisconsin, so he's a Midwesterner and uh, and oversees the day-to-day operations of the college and pro scouting departments, and they have built a monster roster that obviously is better because of Tom Brady's existence and some of the free agents they were able to sign. 
So this is another one one where it's like, all right, you got to parse apart how much of his perceived success is because they have Tom Brady right. versus the roster that they have and built. Who might he bring as coach? Are he and Byron buddies? Byron Leftwich? Leftwich, yeah. yeah. But I'm, yeah. I'm saying like, like in, in all of these cases, I'm trying to think of just the, the most obvious connection for coach, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Yep, and that makes sense. And I love me some Byron Leftwich. I would be very happy if the Vikings made Byron Leftwich their next coach. And then the final name here of the eight, Elliot Wolf, New England Patriots. He is the son of uh, longtime Packers general manager Ron Wolf, who built Super Bowl teams. Uh, he's a scouting consultant for the Patriots right now, 39 years old, and he was in the Packers organization for a number of years from what, 2004 through 2017. Uh, do you know much about Elliot Wolf, Judd, other than like nepotism, keeping nepotism alive here in Minnesota? He had just started with, with the Packers uh, the year that I got on the beat for the Star Tribune in 2004 as a kid. Um, he has been a, how, how can I put this? So I, he has been sort of a rising, I, I don't want to say star, but he, he became assistant GM for the Browns for a couple of years. When they made a change, they tried to keep him. Um, and, but he left. He he interviewed for the Packers GM job before Brian Gutekunst got that. I got to be honest. This one doesn't excite me. Um, I'm done with nepotism. And, yeah, I'm and this good one with just, nepotism. I don't want anyone's just, kid. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And this and this might not be fair, but this doesn't feel like a hire that changes a, a lot. I mean, his background, and I mean, his dad was a great. GM there's no there's no question about it but you know his background is is in scouting he's a football guy and and here's another thing you know I just I don't know he was with the Packers for a decade and a half and then he was around the Packers his whole life right because of Ron Wolf yeah yeah and in 2017 going into 18 he interviewed long time front office executive I'm going to interview now for the opening at GM and and the organization gave it to Brian Gutekunst, and he left. Yeah, this one you just know? doesn't excite me. I'm, it just doesn't. Yeah, so, like I so, like. Sorry, Elliot, you might be a genius, but we're we're just. It we're might just be un- done unfair. With the I'm totally thing. out. Yeah, I'm good. So those are the eights. Let us know what you guys think in the YouTube comments section on the Score North YouTube channel. And I don't know. It's, it's hard to have super strong opinions about some of these guys and Catherine because we don't we don't work with. Don't work with them on a daily basis Phil, in the front what, office, but Phil, wh- which of these names excites you the most based on on who you think they would bring as the coach? I will tell you on Purple Daily today. Oh my God! Oh wow! That's right. That's right. Oh, a, te- a pros, crossover pro. tease. It's I like will SVU. tell you, it's like <laughs> Criminal Intent. We're crossing over shows. Yes, I will. Uh, I will tell I you that. on on Purple Daily because we got to get to we got to get to some old tweets exposed here. Declan goes into the archives every single week and finds incriminating exposing tweets all right so this is more of an old takes expose and all three of us kind of have similar takes on this on this topic i'm about to bring up so i did i did a little digging and last november november of 2020 excuse me so a year almost a year and a half ago we did a fire extend and year to year on Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, Kirk Cousins. And all mm-hmm. three of us have individual takes on that. 
So I'm going to start with Phil's, then we'll go to Judd's, and then we'll go to mine. Here we go. I think Mike Zimmer is actually proving this season what a good coach he is. Like, is he Bill Belichick? No. Is he Pete Carroll at his best? Not necessarily. But we might not even really know how great of a coach Mike Zimmer is until he gets the quarterback that some of those other guys have had. You know, when we think about the best coaches in the NFL, like, look what Mike Tomlin does. Well, yeah, I mean, Mike Tomlin has Ben Roethlisberger, just a steady Hall of Fame presence for 15 years. And Bill Belichick had Tom Brady and Russell Wilson over in Seattle. And so Mike Zimmer has a well above 500 record going into this season with guys like Sam Bradford, who was, you know, it's fine, like whatever, like couldn't really couldn't outrun a tree stump, but and got hurt all the time. And he had Teddy Bridgewater as a limited rookie. And now Kirk Cousins, imagine giving Mike Zimmer an elite quarterback, a top five quarterback to go along with the defensive prowess. And then when the team looks like, oh, they finally hit that point in a in a coach's arc where um, he's going to get fired, right? Like almost every time when you start the way the Vikings started, that coach gets fired. And this team has fought for Mike Zimmer. So uh, I'm with Judd. I'm firing Kirk Cousins. I'm going year to year with a good general manager in Rick Spielman who does have some flaws, but he's a good general manager. And I'm extending the guy who has shown that this team does not quit on him. So, so you both I was high you. on Mike Zimmer. High on Mike I Zimmer. Was high, or I was I was trying to defend Mike Zimmer a little bit. There. I get, I get. Uh, no, he was trying to bash Kirk, which mm-hmm. is typical Mackie. That's why I'm off this show. I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go work with a Kirk stand. Are you re- just reading my Twitter at replies the last 72 hours? It's just a live Twitter's stream. Twitter's turned of- into a very nasty place, and I'm here for yeah, it. It accessible. is. Here's here's like clockwork here. Vikings fan in Colorado tweets at Phil Mackey. Another stupid take by this hack. Hack. Get some hobbies besides talking about how much you hate Kirk and lose some weight as well, double chin. <laughs> Man, <laughs> you, get, you, you got a beard, dude. You can't even tell if you yeah. have a double chin. I don't think I do anymore. That's, I think I've, that's I think I've done a pretty good no. job well, of I mean, you're getting a myself to this now, fairly right? decent shape. This is three days you're without bike? shaving for old, for old teenage Dexter. Dude, I, I crushed it on the Peloton on Saturday. Okay, good for a 30 you. Minute, 30 minute record All right. for me on Saturday. All yeah, right. Just. They were talking to you my, the whole time. I had like a three. Hold on, Phil. You're picking up a little bit. I'd tell him, shut the bleep up. I'm biking. Uh, Judd had a similar take to Phil. Here was Judd's take on extending Mike Zimmer. Uh, Mm -hmm. Year to year for me is Spielman. I agree. And I'm extending Zimmer, and here's why. If push comes to shove, I think he can win me games individually. Like, do I think that he can win a championship? I don't know. But, I mean, he has proven, right, in these last two games, his defense is not that good Mm -hmm. or just flat out not good. Um, but he's finding schemes and ways. I, I go back to the Saints playoff game. The Vikings probably shouldn't win that game, but defensively he comes up with this really, for lack of a better term, genius game plan. Mm-hmm. So fire cousins year to year, Rick, in part because I don't trust him to find a QB. And that's probably the most important thing that Rick should be able to do. And it's just not uh, for various reasons worked out so far. And then my extension goes to Mike Zimmer. Oh, you're extending Zim, too. I love how oh, we just all were unanimous. And, I, and I'm and i with you guys. Actually, I have a flip-flop on the extension and the year-to-year, which I'll play here in just a bit. But I love how all three of us were like, no, we're out on Kirk Cousins. And I think most of us still are, on the show at least. But it's funny that 14, 15 months later, both the other two that we would extend and go year-to-year with are out. And technically, Kirk Cousins is still on the Vikings roster. Yeah. Ew. All right, here's mine. 
Do you agree or disagree? I actually disagree with both of you. I have, uh, I'm extending Spielman and I'm year to year with Mike Zimmer. And, and you know what? It's interchangeable. I probably should, I probably did short sell the fact that this wouldn't be a unanimous decision. I just think that Rick Spielman finding talent throughout the draft has been like, there, there's plenty of evidence of that. And I just don't know, like, and I really like Mike Zimmer. I've said to you guys that I think he is the best Vikings coach of my lifetime. I put him ahead of Denny Green. I really do. Uh, maybe that's because I've been exposed to him more, but. I just don't know if Zimmer's philosophy can last in five more years. And I, but I do know that Rick Spielman, if I had to guess who would be more successful in the next five years at finding talent in the draft versus being a Super Bowl team, I think you have a better odds that Rick Spielman will find good draft picks than the Vikings will win a Super Bowl under Mike Zimmer. So, yeah, those three, uh, first, third round picks that Zimmer, uh, Spielman brought to the table were, uh, were just absolute steals and those seventh round picks. And oh boy, just doubling down that Rick Spielman can find talent in the draft. So I won't say this was like an insanely incriminating evidence of old tweets exposed necessarily, but I just wanted to highlight that all three of us were in unanimous decision basically that we would keep oh. Spielman Zimmer around and get rid of Kirk Cousins. Well, and then of course, a lot can happen in a year too. Right. And Zimmer just, I feel like Zimmer just kind of, Lost his mind a little bit this year. He just, yeah. And I still want Kirk gone, so I really haven't changed completely. Yep. Amen. But just be careful. There's a, there's a lot of, a lot of evidence. Kirk Crusaders out there that are going to try and show you his 4,000-yard seasons. Same as Brett Favre. Should hang and I think that – but I agree with them. I, I, I am a big – look, I think Kirk is fantastic, and I think that – statistically and and as far as personality goes he is going to help the cleveland browns so much i'm with the kirk stands yeah i think he would look great just throwing touchdown passes underneath the shadow of the rocky mountains out there 100 in denver george don't george george i mean imagine plugging a four thousand yard passer into that denver roster just how much damage you can do that division's up for grabs too. Can you imagine Holmes is coming back down, throwing the ball. Justin Herbert got lucky. The the altitude there. Can you imagine how far his passes will travel? Pretty far. Throw a football over those mountains. How yeah. much you want to bet? I can throw a pigskin over them mountains. <laughs> well, Uncle Rico. Uh, all of this reckless speculation fodder has been presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Uh, that's a great executive producer there, sliding into my texts right at the end to say. <laughs> Hey, knucklehead. Uh, Federated's been around for over 100 years. I just got caught up in reckless speculation today. I don't know. This was uh, was having fun. But if you're a business owner and you're looking to maximize the success of your business and minimize risk, Federated is here to help you. Find out more about the services they can provide you at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Boom. Reckless speculation. All right. That's a wrap for us. Tomorrow, we will, uh, we're will. we just going to keep an eye on uh, the news cycle here, see if there's any more. We'll Feedback Friday tomorrow as well. I'm Mackie and Judd. Oh, you can always comment. hit us up on the Score North app, and we will answer your questions and critiques, and there are a lot of them oh. this week. So so uh, get ready Phil. strap in. <laughs> all right. Yeah, all you do is hate on cousins. That is not true. I also tweet out WWE yeah. memes from time to time. Yeah. And, and you've got a parody takes, account now. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations. Phil, and I, Phil, yeah. Phil Sucky. Phil and I run a text thread <laughs> at WWE promos yesterday, okay? So if you want more of those takes, just let us know. And, and Phil and I will gladly forward us forward you the more text messages on WWE promos. <laughs> yes. I'm good. And Judd's okay good. on that one. Yeah. Thank I'm you. out. Okay. All right, that's a wrap. Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports, entertainment, speculation, therapy. See you guys. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. 
and take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.